Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, November 7th. For those of you on the East Coast, you're already into the Voting Tuesday. We didn't get Fisher's, we got. We didn't get Peace Be Still last night, so I figured we'd just run it on Monday. Podbean was doing updates, which prevented the shows from happening, which is, it happens, and the updates seem to be pretty solid. I think the platform's getting better all the time. Patriots, one thing just to highlight, and I made this comment earlier today in this new property that we're developing, we put in a complete system of my pillow sleep system. It's the only way I can say it. We got the mattress, the foundations, we got the bed frames. We did everything in two different rooms. And I'm going to tell you as a complete sleep system, there's nothing like it. So check it out. Mypillow.com forward slash bards use your promo code bards the quality of their products just never ceases to amaze me it's constantly top quality great prices from their sheets to their pillows to their mattresses to their bed frames to everything towels comforters duvets the whole thing and it's just it's great quality it's super comfortable to sleep in you're never going to be down you never be disappointed so 
MyPillow.com forward slash Bards for probably the best night's sleep ever. Your promo code is Bards. And so if you're sitting there digging a bunker or something, keep in mind that you want to also sleep comfortably along with your thousands of cans of whatever else you've got stored up. That I can assure you, I'm going to be sleeping well no matter how the world goes. And I'm good with that. So check it out. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. I'm going to start a little heavy tonight. I'm going to read you a post. And then we're going to get into some, we're going to transition back into a more optimistic view of things. But I want you to hear this. And, you know, a lot of when you're going through news, it takes a lot of assembly, putting pieces together. And just to know my process, which I've just, I've used and learned for years. I was used it a lot in Afghanistan, but it probably originated when I did so much of my studies in history years ago in, at university. But it's the principle of overlaying information. So kind of imagine like you have different maps of things and to visualize when you're reading something, you're visualizing maps and you're overlaying these maps and you start to see things line up. And that's a lot of where when I present information, probably one of the reasons that I end up being often coming to different conclusions or at least not part of the main narrative, because when you start to overlay things, you start to see things differently. So there's an account on Telegram called White Rabbit Q. Interestingly, this account has been flagged as fake. I don't know why, because I'll tell you that I don't agree with everything on this account, but all of the posts are well-written and usually fairly well-researched. So I'm going to read you one of tonight. It came out at uh, 5.59 p.m. on Pacific Time. It's heavy, but I think it paints a pretty realistic picture. Picture. And White Rabbit Q writes, No sugar coating here. Just real info to prepare you. Climate change equals floods, deaths, chaos, earthquakes, tsunamis, devastation, kill the plants, in parentheses food, disrupt shipping, highways, roads, airports. Climate change equals cover-up of world elites and companies and governments all connected to the pandemic bioweapon virus. Bioweapon vaccine being exposed, pedophile or pedophilia, human trafficking, corruption. The weather weapons are being used to create confusion and chaos and fear in many countries to keep narration going of pandemic and now climate change pandemic. In parentheses, there are several tens of thousands of Q posts and pages in Telegram that give nonstop cheerleading prep rallying talks and information. My page isn't one. I give it to you straight and have been, and I will stay, say it again. In caps, pain, it's here, and growing, hope lost, you must prepare food, water, and supplies and you get your spiritual armor on. Summer on fire. It's always darkest before the light comes. DS cards are climate change. Is a dangerous card. Blame the earthquake, floods, plants, devastation on climate change. Control the narration. Next cards take control of all internet servers across the world in every country. 
deplatform ban, great awakening movement, and all who get, go against the DS narration. You should have all known this is coming. Pain, 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 pain. Those who truly understand the plan know this was all meant to happen. Crash. So, just putting that out there, not that I don't say it's true or not, but I will tell you that in the trend of things, in this current sort of hype of optimism because of a vote, and you've heard that discussion extensively twice today if you've listened to both shows, we're into a really interesting time when we're going to have to reconsider who we trust and how we live. It doesn't matter whether this specific event comes true, though I think there's a lot of truth to it, because I think that what's happening here is this false hope is happening, which is very deceiving. And when you start to build false hope in people, it's easy to crash it and break their will to make them comply to a new ruling order. That's where we have to change the game. And of course, that begins with our eyes on Jesus. None of this stuff, so that I'm clear, gets me riled up. None of this stuff gets me anxious. Because what I know is as we're walking with Father God, this is just the events that they're trying to throw at us, and we're not walking in that world. We're walking with kingdom. So let me read 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to tell you a true story just happened. And it's just, I just want to express this story up front that this isn't about anything other than just as things happen and we listen to Father God. It's a story about me, but I don't want the story to come across as though in any way I'm trying to pedestalize because I'm not. But I do try to listen closely to what God puts on my heart, and I try to respond to it in a timely manner. So the other day I was out running around doing errands, and I say the other day, this was last week, and I believe it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I was out running errands. And I just got through picking up some stuff at one of the stores here in town. And as I started to pull out, God put on my heart. And I'm trying to think. Actually, I think it was, it may have actually even been before that, like a Monday or Tuesday. It doesn't matter. It was early last week. But God put on my heart to not go to my next errand. But instead, travel over to the chainsaw place here in town. Now this chainsaw place is, uh, I'm in a county where people still cut wood and both for a living and for firewood to burn. Chainsaws are pretty important. We have one chainsaw shop left in town. It's a nice one on the north end of town. And I know the owner, his name is Todd. And I bought a chainsaw from him last spring and he's also done the work on my other chainsaw. 
And when I was there last spring, God put on my heart to give him money for someone who needed a chainsaw. And I was able to pay for somebody's chainsaw. And God did it again. So I, this trip, I went over and I stepped into the store and I asked for Todd and he introduced myself. He remembered me. And I think he thought I was there to complain about my saw or something because he, like, oh, what problem do I have? And I said, um, I asked him, I said, do you know, have anybody that needs a chainsaw? And, he's, and, he, I, and at this point, I could tell he kind of thought I was trying to sell my saw or something. And he said, no, nah, not right offhand. I said, well, I want to buy one for somebody. And God's put on my heart to buy somebody a chainsaw that needs a chainsaw. And he says, oh. He says, okay. He says, well, I don't have anybody in mind right now. I said, well, whatever it is, I said, whether it's a logger or a homeowner, just let me know. God's asked me to do that. Now, I'm in this place right particularly now, not always, but in this particular time, I have means, as God has provided, to have some extra to share. And this is where God directed me. And to kind of give you a dollar amount, not that it matters from God's point of view, but just for the sake of the story, I mean, a, a logger's chainsaw is about $1,500. A homeowner's chainsaw is anywhere from three to $600. So kind of give you the box in range. So Todd asked me for my name, which he remembered. He wrote down on a piece of paper and my telephone number and I let it be. And I, I went on my way. So Friday I was working up at the other property and I discovered that I had received a message from him and it was too late to call him back. But he had said to me, he said, I, I think we found somebody would be really, would be really helpful. He said, if you get hold of me, I'll tell you the story and you let me know if you want to go ahead with this. So Saturday I went on over there and I met with him. And um, I, he tells me the story. He says, well, there's an older man and he brought his saw in to have it repaired. And the saw was seized, meaning the, the pistons had seized up in it. And he said, we couldn't repair it. So he said, um, he needs a saw. He says, you may know his name. And he told me his name. And I, I knew the name because, not because it's the same guy, but it's, I believe it's the son or it's the, really, it's a related family member of somebody I used to wrestle with in high school years ago. So he said, um, he said to me, he was going to check with his pastor at the, at the, church to see if they could help. And he said, nothing came of that. And he said, then um, he came in and told me that he was going to sell one of his guns to get the chainsaw. And he asked me if I, and he said, I was about ready to buy his gun. Cause he said, he said, I, I can't, we can't have people giving up these critical things like guns in a time like this. We need these things, whether it's for hunting or self-defense. He said, so I, how do you feel about getting him the saw? And I said, let's get it the saw now let's get it. So as we're walking by, he just put, he, he reached down and he grabbed the saw right off the shelf. And I had just bought a bunch of groceries and stuff. They were in the Jeep. And several hundred dollars worth of groceries, which is not uncommon these days. And as I looked down on the tag, the price on the saw was $279. And so we got to the counter and I just said, are you sure this is all the saw he needs? 
He goes, this is exactly what he needs. It has an electric start. It's just the right size for him. This will allow him to trim some trees on his property and get some wood in the, for, the, for his fire. He's an older guy. I said, okay. So we got him some oil and stuff like that. He says, do you want to be here? I said, no. Let's just ring it, and you can get it to him. And so he said, okay, right away, I'll give him a call. I, I'm going to tell you, I don't think there's a better feeling in life when you know that you've done something that so immediately impacts somebody with something so small. Now, I'm not going to say for everybody $279 is a little bit of money. I There was a time really not that far back, the $279 to imagine giving that away was not imaginable to me. But where I am now, and God has me in this particular season, it's very affordable. And it's very humbling to think that just $279 would literally change somebody's life. As I told you, and I gave you those ranges because I was prepared for a saw price of like $1,600, which isn't cheap at all. But if it was a logger, I know what their saws are like. They're big saws. They're expensive. And if a man needs that for his livelihood and God put it on my heart, I'm going to obey. And, and that's as God had directed me. And so I, I just kind of share this because of a lot of the place that we're at. We get very consumed with our own worries and our own fears. We get consumed with a lot of our own needs, focus very much right now on prepping our lifestyles and so forth. But in the midst of all this, I personally believe that we have to pay a lot of attention to as God guides us because it's quite literally God loves a cheerful giver. This story, even as I'm telling you, is choking me up, not because of any other reason, but that God guided me to do something to directly affect someone's life in a positive way. I have no idea what the guy's political orientation is. I don't care. I don't know whether he took the vax or didn't take the vax. I don't care. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I'm assuming so because he's going to talk to a pastor. I don't know why the pastor didn't help. I don't know if the congregation doesn't have resources or if they just didn't see it was important. All that is irrelevant. I don't know how he reacted when he got the saw. I don't know if he's happy. I don't know if he's angry. I don't know if he's, if he has an attitude. It doesn't matter. None of that absolutely matters because God doesn't tell us to worry about that. What he tells us is be a cheerful giver. And I will tell you that in, in my life, there have been some people that have been cheerful givers that have changed my life. And humblingly so. And those are things that when you go through them, and there was a time that I lost nearly everything, and that time wasn't that long ago, like five years ago. And to see how God has worked to see where I am today in itself is humbling for me. And to see how that process worked, and as others listened, it's, a, it's an incredible reminder to always listen. We don't want to be the person where God's giving to us, and then we turn around and we aren't as giving as God has been to us. 
We're heading into some difficult times. There's not even a question is coming. It's happening now. I read that post at the very beginning to put to some context to what we are facing, which is a tremendous amount of stresses on the environments which will stress food. Because one thing these elites know is that control the food and you control the people. What isn't mentioned in that post is when we're walking with God and we're listening, we're all going to be okay. But here's the key piece to that, though, is we have to listen and we have to obey. God is amazing in all that he does. He is giving beyond imagination. And I think that it's so important that we not only obey to what he's guiding us to do, but remember that a lot of what he's having us to do, we'll never be able to measure. We'll never be able to measure the impact of what he guides us to do. So it's important that we do this because I don't know the impact of the things that he guides me to do. I've witnessed some of those things and they're humbling. And when you really factor out the dollars that were involved and the impact towards kingdom, you kind of sit back and laugh at how silly we are for the obsession towards hoarding that tends to permeate our culture. We are a, we're, we're an interesting group of people because I think that the core of who we are in this nation in particular is that we are really at the core most are giving. But I think we've been worked into this hellish trap, frankly, of having us to, having to pit off against each other for what is seemingly limited resources. And that limited resource is always built around a batch of paper money, fiat currency, which has essentially no value, but which we're, we do value because without it, we are convinced that we can't survive. We can, and it's all going to center on our absolute dedication and hope and prayer and faith and trust in Father God. There's a real storm building. This isn't nearly over. And in this eve of election, when there's a lot of this rhetoric going on, that somehow there's a, like there's going to be a big red wave and maybe, maybe that's true, but nothing happens quickly. And these dirtbags that run this world have no intention of giving up power quickly or easily. We're living within the Babylonian structure. And if you think for a second that they want to give this up, and I don't care, like I said in the previous hour, I don't care if it's Trump's side of the fence or Biden's side of the fence. Nobody wants to give up their power. Nobody. That leaves us to have to peck and scratch for what they dole out if we play their game. But what defeats them is when we come together and we learn to 
share resources. Bosnia was one of the most horrendous civil wars in history, in modern history. The deaths and purges and, and horrors of war that came out of that haunt those that were there even to this day. From rape and torture, brutal killings, and so forth. Bosnia was began as a war between Muslims and Christians and it ended as a war between one hating group and another. People were jumping sides to try to just get to the better winning side to avoid being purged. And in the end, everything got mixed up from the original divisions of religion. And to see where Bosnia is today is still to see the memory of how much scarring was done because of so much hate that was sown intentionally to create death and killing. The, the Those in Bosnia now, that between the Serbs and the Croats and the Bosnians that hated each other once before, have found ways to coexist and it isn't necessarily that they love each other, but they've learned that there has to be a way to coexist because the alternative is too dark. And it's fresh enough in their minds that they don't want it again. We don't need that sort of outcome here. And it's trying to be fed and festered. The people in this nation that lead this nation are all trying to keep people in the balance so that they don't take up arms. And that puts weird things in effect. On one hand, we have a right and a duty to throw off a government like this by our own hand. On the other hand, the other side wants that sort of fight so they can fan the fires and, and breed in a mass civil war that'll be never ending. I think people are growing wise enough now and deep enough in their faith that that likelihood of that spilling over to irrationalism is greatly diminished. But nonetheless, we have to always be aware of how the enemy lurks in place because deception and hatred for their fellow man is a key part of their game. And that's why we go back to that place of taking care of our communities. In a time when scarcity becomes the normal, and we are, it's more normal now than we're acknowledging it, because we're looking at scarcity through what's on the shelves in stores, and we're not looking at scarcity enough at what's happening in people's bank accounts and what they can afford. Theft is on the rise in all sectors, whether it's fuel or food. Violence is coming out of that. And it's stemming from this need of people to, some is desperation, some is pariah. And then you have with that the, the various laws that are stepping in place to try to protect criminal class and victimize those. That's all by design. So this is a time when communities are going to have to take a more bold and forward-leaning stand. 
And that means coming together. And that means standing together as neighbor to neighbor. And that means many times having to put aside what is our differences to learn about who we are. Because I'll tell you something from war. And it's an interesting experience. War builds blood relations like nothing you've ever witnessed. You see the worst and you see the best. You see the tragic and you see the kingdom level work. Seriously, all of it. And you see bonds that come out of war that are life-changing and everlasting. And these are the sorts of bonds that are actually, in my opinion, many times deeper than blood. Because they're the sort of things that once you've linked like that with certain people, it wouldn't matter if you see that person every year or if you talk to them every day or if you didn't talk and didn't see each other for five or ten years, you pick right back up where you were. And the other part about it is within certain circles, you find that that blood relationship of that common held experience in war carries over. Even if you didn't share an experience with somebody, someone else who has walked that same ground understands where you're at and you understand where they're at and it builds a very quick and loyal friendships. I'm saying all this because we're in a real time right now where we're still very much divided as a nation because we haven't gone through anything that really has rocked us to the core. We haven't witnessed as a nation a mass suffering. We haven't witnessed as a nation to really endure true tyranny. We're on the cusp of it. I'm one who believes that tyranny is coming. I don't believe that some magical white hats are going to be able to stay the hand. And I think it's going to be pretty ugly in many levels because just the math of it alone is showing that no matter how quickly things get turned towards the benefit of the people, there's a lag time in the natural course of events to make things happen and reset. If it's agriculture, we have at least two seasons minimum, more likely three to five years to reset the full production, especially in light of the destruction of the soils that has happened by the monoagriculture processes and genetically modified seeds and the heavy use of petrochemical fertilizers that have been used on our soils. So food is in a, in a decline, and we haven't felt peak decline yet because the harvests of last season are just now starting to be realized of how severe they're going to be this coming year. The production of meat and so sorts of proteins in the, in the food market has been completely under siege. So we really don't know the full effect of that yet, but we do see that coming, especially with regulations and encouragement by the media to a generation that's willing to listen to that, that somehow meat and bovine farts will affect the livelihood of people. And that's where climate change and what climate weapon systems come in and a good media campaign, because they always are going to loop it back towards a, cause and effect that is irrelevant, but it, the way that this current generation has been trained and conditioned, they'll believe literally that the moon is cheese if you could make the solid enough argument. We 
have fuel and the production of drilling and oil, which is a kind of a two, two-edged fight, oil's not going to get extinguished, and this administration wants to extinguish it. So oil will preserve itself in the many ways that it can with the various divestments and reinvestments in areas, the shutting down of fields to protect their assets in anticipation of the long game that they'll be able to resurrect that down the way. But those things don't get resurrected overnight. It takes months of hard work and it takes skilled labor. And then we get into the VAX, which is the destruction of certain labor classes that is happening in real time. All of that puts the onus on a smaller group of people, which are those that have been unvaxxed, that ultimately walk with God and are strong enough to endure these times to understand that biblically we have been shown and spiritually we have been warned to prepare. And in preparation, it is not just about us. It's also about preparing to have extra to share with our neighbors. I truly mean that. Because if we aren't taking that route and if everything is about just me or just my people in the church, we've missed the bigger point of building community. You can't stock up food for everybody, but you can always have some excess. And if you don't have that excess, then it's important to be communicating that to others. And that's why we had this conversation earlier tonight about the importance of Bard's Nation. Because this is a family and this is a fellowship and it is blessed, and it's God who built this and has drawn us all here. And so it's important that as we strengthen this community, we strengthen each other as iron sharpens iron so that we are even more equipped to engage our communities in a bold way and to help them. That, to me, is our responsibility in walking in Christ. It is so easy to get wrapped around the obsession of our own fears or our own angers or our own anxieties, whatever is driving you. And it's so easy to forget the importance of having excess to share for others. And it doesn't have to be a lot, but sometimes just a little goes a long ways. I look around our neighborhood here I have essentially two neighborhoods, the where here and then the other property. The other property is easy. And I say that because everybody up there already is geared towards major prepping. We all prep. There's excess in everybody's hands, and there's a community because the community is in, I can count the community on two hands because everybody's got big acreage. That's where I am. Go five miles the other way, and you're down into dense living again. And not everybody is prepared. Where I am in in the town, I take a look at my neighbors. And I know which ones are preparing and which ones aren't. And as frustrating as that can be, especially with the ones that aren't prepping, there is still a need to be prepared in mindset to help them out. Because there's nothing worse than having somebody who's desperate and starving, and you want your neighborhood and your communities to be strong. So a lot of that is a principle of give a man a fish and he eats for a night, teach a man to fish, and he feeds his family for life. So that's the orientation that I take 
So essentially, how do we and what are the strategies that we'll use to help people stand up and be more independent and less codependent? As a community as a whole, I think we need to be looking very seriously at where we can make the biggest impact. And so this is a challenge that I leave to everybody because this is how I left. I go back to the story of the chainsaw. What I told Todd, the owner of the chainsaw place, was that we had this discussion. I didn't just tell him, we discussed it. That we're in difficult times and we have to come together as community. He said, yes, it is true. He said, we really do have to work together. I said, so you need to let me know if anybody going forward needs a saw because I'll do what I can to help. And I say that because this is one of the critical nodes in my community that makes a big difference for people because, like I said at the beginning, a chainsaw is a living. A chainsaw is a way to feed your family, even if it's cutting firewood. A chainsaw is a way to ensure that you have heat for the winter. And there's a lot of need for chainsaws in my community. I don't know how many I can afford. That's irrelevant. I know that there's now one dealer, the primary dealer in town, that has a number, my number. And he knows, because he's got good discernment, that if he runs into somebody that is really in need of something, he has somebody to call me to know that I can be there to, to at least assist in some way. That's something to keep in mind because I think that if we each approached our communities that way, and this is the challenge, is to find that. Maybe that is a mission. Maybe that is a, a farm bureau. Maybe that is a place that does oil changes or tires. I don't know. You decide and, and take it to prayer and see where God guides you. But it just seems like a very proactive step where we can literally position ourselves to be cheerful givers when we have means. If you don't have means, then don't take this as a something put on top of you like, oh, I wish I could. God has you where he needs you. And if you don't have extra means, that's okay. Part of also giving is learning how to receive. I went through a pretty dark period I should rephrase that, a very humbling period where I had to learn to receive a lot, something I never had to do. And I had a good friend who guided me through some, reminded me a couple of times is the importance of listening, even when it came from sources that I was not ready to accept. God works in amazing ways. He works through people. He brings things together in ways we can't imagine. He assembles pieces in ways we can't imagine. So I'm going to tell a story that I, um, and I, I'm going to close with this story. This is not my story. This is a story from Glad Tidings Church in Yuba City. I may have told this story already, so if I have, you get to hear it again. But here we go. There was um, a guy that a gentleman that had come to the church at Yuba City that um, had not been part of a church for some time. And a lot of it, he was just being, for the just for who he was, um, people really were kind of just taking advantage of him in many ways. 
And he built a relationship with Pastor Dave Bryan and became to trust him. And they built a good, trusting relationship. So we'll come back to that in a minute. In the meantime, there was a, Dave was building their hall, which is, um, it's a really beautiful um, theater where they do all of their lectures and their large congregational meetings. So pretty much every Sunday and Saturday and Sunday, they're in the big theater hall. And then for other conferences, they have two other spaces they can use at the church. It's a really nice layout. And this building's a nice building. And what's unique about it, beautiful soundstage, great audio visual support, big building that the church has, all the church members have participated in building everything in that building with the exception of installing the elevator. Because the California law says they have to have a licensed person to install it. So when they built this church, they had raised the money to build it. And as they got to the final piece, they were $1.3 million or so short um, for the audiovisual needs that they have. So Dave went to his team and, you know, they said, you know, what should we do on it? And Dave said, let's pray on it. So they prayed on it. And in, in the process there was a person that came to mind that happened to be very wealthy and Dave approached him and he said, I have an offer for you. He said, I know you give philanthropic philanthropy every year and we're not asking for a gift. He says, we're not, uh, we're not in it. We don't accept, we don't do anything with interest and we pay everything as we go. But he said, let me make a offer to you that you extend the money we need to pay for the audiovisual equipment. And then we will, in turn, we will pay you back in about a year and a half, no interest, and we'll just pay you back, though. And the guy says, well, I've never done anything without interest. And Dave says, well, I know. But this is, as, this is as we work because we don't do interest as a church. So they shook on it. And the guy said, no problem. And uh, he, and he wrote him a check. So... Several weeks went by and he got a con call from the guy's office and a guy came over and he handed him a contract and the contract was with to repay the money at 16% interest. And so obviously Dave wasn't very happy. He talked to the individual. The individual says, well, he says, business is that way until it's on paper. It doesn't matter. And Dave says, well, that's not the way kingdom works because if you give your work word and you shake hands, it's done in God's eyes. And the guy says, well, that's not the way business is so tough. Either you pay me back or nothing, or you owe me. And Dave says, okay. So he takes it back to his team, and they're, they, they were concerned deeply. And so Dave said, look, I'm just going to do a retreat. You all need to pray. I'm going to pray. I'll be back in a few weeks. We'll get this sorted out. Trust in God. So he goes to his retreat. He gets a call from a prophet. He calls himself a prophet. 
guy says, I need you to go to this church in Southern California. Dave says, why? He says, because they're all messed up. They need your help. I need you to go. And so Dave's a little suspicious of this. He says, all right, what are you talking about? Like, are you just asking me to go because you, you're, I'm closer than you or what's the deal? He says, no, seriously, I'm not kidding. This is as God put on my heart. You need to go. So Dave agrees and he goes down to this church and as he describes it, it's a complete mess. The buildings are run, are not well taken care of. Financially, they're a disaster and he recommends that they dissolve their 501c3. So the representative of the church that's there with him, Dave arrives on the same day, so he's met and they're, they're, they're going through this meeting. Says, um, what do you recommend? Dave says, we recommend that you dissolve the 501c3. And he says, well, how do you do that? He says, well, to do that, you have to take your assets and give it to another 501c3. And then you can dissolve your corporate shell. He says, I don't even know what you have for assets. The guy says, well, all of this here. And so the guy says right away, he says, well, we're going to give it to you. (laughs) And Dave says, he lit into the guy because he's like, this is why you're in this problem. You didn't even check with your board. And now you're making a decision without your board to give me all the assets. And the guy says, no, we already voted on it. Dave says, how did you already vote on it? I just arrived this morning. I've been with you the whole time. The guy says, well, it was easy. The prophet that called you called us and said, you were going to come out here. So when we sat down in our board meeting, we talked about the need of the possibility that you would recommend dissolving the 501c3. So we have voted in advance to dissolve that if we you recommended to dissolve the 501c3 you, we unanimously agreed that we would give you all of the assets to the church and we would dissolve the 501c3 Dave says okay this is God working so Dave got a team together they went down they cleaned up the church and they put it on the market they were asking a certain price guy came in called up Dave he says I've He's a young kid, younger guy, pastor. Dave describes him as kind of a skateboard pastor, meaning he's connected with a lot of the skateboard crew. Dave says, all right. This guy says, I'm, I really like your church. I want to buy it. This is right where I want to be. My question is, can you help a guy out? This is the first time I've ever bought a church. So Dave says, well, first chance, the question I have is how many, how many people have you brought to Jesus? And how, what's your most recent one? He tells him, he says, well, I just brought someone to Jesus yesterday. And he says, I bring somebody to Jesus literally every single day. He was like, oh, so he likes the guy. So he agrees to sell it to him with some, the way they do it, essentially to cover the whole cost of that debt of the billionaire. And they make that agreement. The kid's happy. They make the deal. Now back to, remember that guy I started with in the beginning? So he's going to the church and he tells Dave after this all passes, he goes, I'm going to tell you about the, what happened in the previous church. Dave says, go ahead. He says, we were in a church, he says, and he told him a little bit about it. He said, and we paid for a full remodel in the church. It was about $2 million that I donated to the church. He says, and then I found out that the pastor and the assistant pastor were having sex with all the women in the church, saying it was their right as God's servants to do so. He said, I was horrified. We left the church. My wife and I got down on our knees 
I told my wife, and we both got down on our knees, and we prayed to God for forgiveness, and we repented for supporting anything like that. And he said, so we've been without a church until we came here. And Dave looked at him, and he said, and now you're the biggest donor I've ever had. And the guy says, what do you mean? He says, your church was down, and he told him where it was, and he told him the name. He said, yes, how did you know? He said, because that church I was led to by a prophet, and they gave me the grounds, and we sold it to pay off the debt that we had for this building here. You're now the biggest donor we've ever had at this church. I point to that entire story, patriots, is that God works in amazing ways, and it has nothing to do with direct money or dollar signs. He listens, and everything around the kingdom is based around giving the heart of a cheerful giver. So as we give much, much is asked, much is given, but be a, be a giver because we're in a time now that we have to redefine the way that we live. We have to redefine the relationship of how we're going to set up the new foundations for where we're going. And it's not going to happen in the system that politics is trying to protect. It's going to happen through those that are walking truly in the heart of Jesus and in the heart of the kingdom and listening to what God asks. Be a cheerful giver. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed tonight to sit here and humble ourselves before you and to reflect deeply on just the power of how things come together. So as we walk forward, we just pray that the heart of the many will be inspired to give and to be able to see the power in the gift that you've given us to give that as we are walking in this space, we start to realize that the true sense of hegemony within this world is not based on the dollars or the money or the things that we possess, but rather the true hegemony of kingdom is through the gift of giving and giving with a cheerful heart. Guide us in these times, Father. Lead us and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's so important to keep our eyes always on him and to keep our heart always to where he leads us. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to be hateful. It's easy to be filled with fear and anxiety. Unless you've embraced that true sense of who Christ is and walking in there. Because there... We have to be clear on where we walk. There is righteous anger. That's real. But there is also incredible joy and power in understanding the, the true senses of what makes this world really work. It's not the hate and it's not the dollars and it's not the unlimited labor that we spend to get pieces of paper. Rather, it's the glory and joy that we have in giving and supporting and helping one another as we move forward and creating these sorts of networks 
that are empowered by that true power and love of the Holy Spirit. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
Sometimes it takes all you got to believe.